Welcome to the Places Where We Go podcast. Hello, I'm Julie. And I'm Art. We're the hosts of the Places Where We Go podcast. Join us as we share our travel stories. We'll tell you about where we've been, what we saw, and what we did. We're always looking for a bit of an adventure. Sometimes we travel far. Sometimes we explore the places in our own local backyard. Wherever we go, we'll let you know about the highlights and top tips to help you plan your future adventures. This is the Places Where We Go podcast. Welcome back, everybody, and thanks for joining us on another episode of The Places Where We Go, where today we're going to do our deep dive into Glacier National Park, focusing on the west side of the park. So last time we got together, we had an introductory episode on Glacier, where we shared some ideas on just general planning of a trip to the park. This episode, we're going to start actually getting into the things that we did on a recent trip that we took to Glacier National Park which happens to be the eighth national park that was established in the United States, and it's located in the great state of Montana. And there's kind of two distinct sides of the park. You've got the west side, which has the attractions that we're going to talk about today. And then you've got a different set of experience available on the east side, which we'll talk about next time. And I think most people do try to divide those experiences up. And I think that makes sense from our trip there. Yeah, but the Sun Road, which we did not get a chance to fully experience, is what connects the east side to the west side. Yeah. But there are alternative routes. There's there's one main alternative route. Yeah, yeah. Which we'll talk about next time, Mm -hmm. which we did, yeah. So Julie, get us into the west side of Glacier. On the west side, most people get there by flying into Kalispell. Kalispell has a international airport. That is the closest place to the entrance to the west side of Glacier. But before you even get into the park, there are many, many other things that you can do that are around that area. The west side, compared to the east side, it offers more gift shops. It has things like ice cream shops. You can get coffee that is more, you know, not just a cup of joe, some specialty type coffees, and it has a little bit more of vacation type amenities. Among the things that you can do there on the west side, and we did not do these things, but there are a lot of different things you can do, would be a helicopter tour, which would be absolutely gorgeous. Could you imagine? Mm-hmm. Um, they have art galleries. There are many, many places you can stop for tube rentals, for river rafting. You have some bars, you have lots of casinos, you have bike rentals, um, and there's plenty of places there that you could take your bike that would be some absolutely gorgeous, gorgeous views. There's kayaks that you can rent out also for the river. There's lots of breweries, compared, especially compared to where we live, and there's also um, distilleries. And of course, in Montana, there is lots and lots and lots of fishing, which is a sport there in Montana. So I think on the west side, I mean, there's just so much more different types of things that you can do 
than what's available on the east side of the park. There's things available on the east side, mm-hmm. but I think just that abundance of different types of things, you're going to find more of that on the west side. It, it has more of a, if you want to vacation yeah. and enter into the park on that side, there are more of vacation-like type amenities. Yeah. So you mentioned that most people fly into Kalispell, and that's what we did. And before we got into the park itself, we decided, hey, that first day, let's soak up a little bit of what Kalispell has to offer. We had a a few hours available to us, so Mm -hmm. we decided to check out the Northwest Montana History Museum. That was our main thing to do when we were in Kalispell. Mm -hmm. So we walked up to this old building and were greeted by... A wonderful docent named Bill and his dog, which was a friendly Catahoula breed. Never saw that breed before. He was no. absolutely gorgeous. Dog was fun. Yeah. Yeah. Very friendly. Loved to have attention. He had um, carrots that he offered us so we could f- give to the dog as a treat. Yeah. So we spent quite a bit of time actually talking to Bill. Yeah. He had a, a wealth of information. It sounded like he was a resident of this place for a long time. Mm-hmm. We enjoyed actually chatting with him and hearing mm-hmm. his stories about the area and things in Montana. Yeah. We had gotten there a little bit later during the day yeah. and didn't realize that the uh, museum closed at a fairly early time. So we had sat there and talked with Bill for so long that we didn't have enough time to actually tour sufficiently tour the whole museum. Yeah, we, we made it through, but we kind of had to rush our way through. Little, but, yeah, but Bill was very patient. Yeah, I do think that when I think back to these types of small city museums that we visited, and we've been to so many, this one was one of the better curated museums. They had, I thought, really nice exhibits. It was two stories, well put together, mm-hmm. You know, good information. It wasn't too dense. Yeah, like it was also seen. in a historic building, yeah. which was very cool. Yeah. So in the building, you're going to walk away with a great immersion of information that covers the history of Kalispell, lumber operations, community aspects, cultural aspects. They even had a music room that described the arts that have occurred in the city of Kalispell and in the state of Montana. So if you've got anywhere from a half hour to two hours to kill while you're in Kalispell. Visiting this history museum would be a nice visit, I think. I absolutely agree. I I think that was one of the um, highlights, and it was one of the first things we did, but it was something that I'm not going to forget. And a lot of it had to do with the interaction with Bill and actually experiencing a long-time Kalispellian. Is that a word? It is now. Okay. Yeah. So when we were done with the Kalispell Museum, we had some things to take care of, and we hopped in the car and drove to a store. We wanted to get a few supplies because we knew that we were going to be doing some hiking. So we wanted to make sure we had lunches made prior to leaving for a hike and some snacks and water. And the one thing that we knew we absolutely wanted from Costco was their bear spray because they had, from what we understood, one of the cheaper bear sprays in relation to cost per can because they sell them by two. Yeah, two packs. Yeah, so you had a two pack, which was fine because both of us were able to carry our own bear spray. I think we paid 48 bucks for the two packs. Yeah, two packs. And everywhere else it was like 48 for one. Yeah. 
So I think we did well on that. So we had done a little research, which is always good. And we understood that if you went to Costco and Kalispell, that you could pick up some cheap bear spray. So it was one of those must needed items for us. And along the way, we picked up our lunch and some water and we off we went. It was easy to do. It was right on our way out to our stay for the night, which we'll talk about in a few minutes. So good call for us you know to do that hey since we're talking about bear spray and we're lucky because we've never had to use it Mm -hmm. but if somebody did ever have to use it what do you do with that julie do you just kind of put your finger on the trigger and aim it right at the bear's face no so that's the other part of research that if you don't if you've never lived in bear country and you're going to go visit especially glacier national park because there are incidents of bear all the time there You want to make sure that you take out the stop that keeps the bear spray from coming out accidentally. So it's a quick flick of the stop. And then you're going to aim. And unfortunately, you have to wait till the bear gets relatively close. And it'll probably seem very, very scary. And you aim downwards so the puff of pepper spray comes up and gets into his face. So you kind of aim toward the feet. Yeah. Yeah. The other thing I would recommend to people is if you're walking around with their bear spray, I would just almost practice like if you had to get it out of its um, kind of holster that it sits in, just practice getting it out and getting your finger on the thing because you don't want to, in the moment, figure out, oh my gosh, I can't get it out of the holster thing because some of those are kind of snug. They're very snug. And you have to know where that stop is, that little lock that keeps it from spraying that has to be released before you spray. Yeah. Know where that is and know how to flip it out. Yeah. So upon arrival in Kalispell, making some time to hit the local Costco or some stores to get your supplies, especially if you're flying in from another area, which probably is the experience of most people that'll probably work out well one tip that we had bought all these you know the bread and the peanut butter and we bought honey and then we it was like oh wait a minute we need something to spread the peanut butter with so have either pack with you or buy it when you're there some plastic knives and plastic bags and plastic bags to put the food in and then you'll be good to go then you'll be good to go yeah all right. So after the Costco, we still had some time on the on the west side before getting closer to the park. So we spent a little bit of time in the evening in downtown Whitefish, which is the famous ski resort town on the west side of Glacier. We were going to stay in the city of Karam, which is just up the road. But in Whitefish, you're going to find a very, very small downtown, mm-hmm. just like a few blocks. Mm-hmm. But there you've got a bunch of shops, I think some, you know, antique type stores. Yeah. You and I, we spent most of our time just looking at, they had historic plaques on a lot of the buildings. Yeah, so it's a very historic town and had a lot of either restored or original buildings. Yeah, so you'll pick up history of what happened in this area over the last hundred years, you know, give or take a couple of decades or so. And there's a number of restaurants in the city of Whitefish too, some of them that offer live music in the evening. If you're on the west side, you may want to spend some of your evenings in downtown Whitefish. But then, after you do all that, now it's going to be time to go into Glacier National Park, West Glacier. We started our journey into West Glacier by first stopping at the Visitor Center in Apgar. It's a pretty 
modest sized visitor center compared to others that we've visited in the national park system as we've probably mentioned on other stops this was a stop for us to get the stamp in our national park passport book they have a small selection of merchandise for purchase but the other reason you'll want to stop here is to get current information on hiking conditions we ended up speaking to a ranger which set us on our way to our first hike which was where judy we decided to go to Avalanche Lake. As we had indicated, the Sun Road had not fully opened and the trailhead for Avalanche Lake was where Sun Road was blocked. You couldn't go any further. We arrived about 9 a.m. and parking was tough. Yeah, it was there already... There was a lot of cars. So there was a campground that... I believe wasn't open for camping, but people were using that kind of like as an overflow parking parking lot. Mm -hmm. And even with that, it was full. It was really full. We had to slip very, very tenderly into a spot that was by no means a parking space, but it it was, we had a small enough car where we could slip in without blocking the truck that was already parked there. So we were kind of lucky to get that. Yeah. On that note, one of the things I would say is if you're coming in from another area and if you're going to rent a car, I didn't find Glacier to be one of these places where you need a huge vehicle. So if you can get by with a smaller car, one of the benefits of that is going to be you might be able to get more parking options. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. because you can uh, find places that are just going to fit a small car, but you're never going to get a truck or a big SUV in there. Well, it'll be more difficult. The spot we were in, you couldn't have. yeah. But because of COVID, the shuttles were not running and the Sun Road was not completely open, so they didn't have shuttles when we were there. I'm betting in times where shuttles are running and you can go all the way through on the Sun Road, that might be an easier choice for you instead of having to find a parking spot, just get off at the trailhead where you want to hike from the shuttle yeah and when the shuttles do run they do come from the visitor center so another reason to stop at the visitor center to see if that's going to be an option for you yeah so avalanche lake we started at the trailhead and almost immediately started following the river the trail was right next to the river and we did most of our about half of our walk was just going right next to this river and walking in just these beautiful i mean it seemed like you'd be walking and you'd see this beautiful, beautiful sight of the river and, and you'd stop and you'd look and you'd walk a little further and then you'd see another gorgeous sight that was completely different from that from mm-hmm. the other one. It was just really nice. The sound of water is always yeah. pleasing and it cools things off too. Yeah, that, so the first part of the hike too, I mean my memory was that there was a decent amount of shade from the trees and stuff There's too. Lots so of trees, you weren't yeah. like exposed completely to the sun. Mm-hmm. And it wasn't a hard hike. I would say it was easy at that point. It's rated moderate, the whole thing, officially. Okay. And I think that's because of how long it would take somebody to do the whole thing. Okay. So like you and I, we've run into this before where we've had certain hikes that are completely level, but they're rated as moderate and we're always scratching our head like, why is this like not rated easy? Yeah. And all we can think of is the length of The time. Yeah. 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 So... We did uh, finally arrive at the lake. It ended and opened it up to one of the most gorgeous views I've ever seen. There was waterfalls coming out from the mountains that were in front of us with this magnificent blue 
gorgeous lake, mm-hmm. you know, right in front of it. So we kind of went down towards the waterfront in that area, had a couple pictures, this picture view right yeah. there, and kind of sat for a while and watched that. It was just, it was stunning. It was just absolutely stunning. You can keep walking around the lake. And we saw the trail leading around the lake and we decided to go that way. And so as we were going that way, it opened up again to this like almost a beach. Mm-hmm. And that's where we had our peanut butter sandwich. I think most people, though, when they do this hike at Avalanche Lake and from what we observed, arrive at the beachhead of the lake and then they call it as mission accomplished and turn back. But yeah. you can go beyond. Well, you can go beyond the sign that actually says end of trail. Yeah. So I think we, we noticed that it there is a sign eventually that will say end, end of, of trail, trail, but the sign does not say do not go beyond the sign. The end of trail. Yes. So we went beyond and actually somebody had come out and told us, you know, it was just gorgeous. And it wasn't as easy as the trail itself. There was some harder hiking there you know you were going under fallen trees and there was a little bit about ups and downs so it wasn't as easy and once you got towards the river it got even a little bit more difficult so it's not something that was easy yeah i would call that moderate that was more challenging but once you got to that beyond spot you know we, we kept hiking there the views changed like even more. The yeah. landscape was so different and you got, we were so much closer to the mountains mm-hmm. and the waterfalls and it was, it was just a great view. Yeah. It was a fun hike. Very fun hike. I enjoyed it. And I'm so glad we went beyond because I think that made it very much worth it. It is a very popular hike. I mean, I wasn't sure how many people would be on it. In the beginning, you felt like there was quite a few people and that was very populated. But once you got to the lake and you went further beyond you could tell that the amount of people became a lot sparser substantially sparser yeah which was nice too in fact when i think back to everything that we did at glacier national park this had to be the most crowded hike that we experienced yeah i would say until you got to that beach area where we actually ate right and then when kept and then going. we kept going and then it i mean it's like most people i think from that beach area would just turn around and go back yeah but we kept going it is about a four and a half mile round trip hike there is an elevation gain of, of 730 feet as we said they rated as moderate i would say that if you go to end a trail and go beyond i would call that moderate mm-hmm. but other than that i think it was pretty easy yeah and we saw all walks of life on the trail young kids young adults older people so you know doable yeah yeah so we came back from uh, avalanche lake and decided that we were gonna take a very very easy hike yeah so there's actually in this area two hikes available to you one is avalanche lake which julie you just described And then there's another stroll that's available that's called Trail of the Cedars. And I would say if you're going to do both of them, I thought it worked out well to do Trail of the Cedars at the end of the day. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That way you get, you know, you get all your energy out for Avalanche Lake. And then this is just kind of a nice cool down experience Mm -hmm. at the end of the day. Trail of the Cedars is fairly short. 
It's completely level. It's an ADA type of experience. It's ADA accessible, which is really nice. So, so, so if somebody has disabilities, this would be a beautiful stroll for them to take. Yeah, and you're basically just kind of doing this. It's almost like a loop, and there's placards as you're walking that explain the different foliage, the different plants that are there. It's a nice nature walk. It's a mile round trip. And our whole day between Avalanche Lake and Trail of the Cedars combined, we spent six hours. So just to give you an idea how much time you can spend here, you can spend less time. But if you want to do, you know, going beyond at Avalanche Lake, I mean, you can make a full day out of this. Mm-hmm. And, and, when, and we tend to stop and enjoy moments. Yeah. You know, we will sit down at the beach and sit there for a little bit and enjoy that. That's the added time for us. I mean, you definitely can do it in less time if you just go in and go out. Mm-hmm. But there's too many things to see and too much beauty. So I, yeah. would, I would stop. So when we were done with those hikes, we were still going to have the evening in the western part of Glacier National Park. So we got in the car and started to drive back. But as you mentioned, we like to stop and see things. Mm-hmm. So. so on our way back, we had passed Lake McDonald. That is a well-known lake within West Glacier. It does also have a lodge that uh, many people enjoy for that lodge-type experience. We had gotten up in the morning and started off to Avalanche Lake Trailhead. And as we were driving past Lake McDonald, we noticed the reflection of the mountains off the lake. It looked beautiful. Stunning. Yeah. It was stunning. We kept drying. Usually we would stop and we would take a picture, but I think we had the mindset of let's get to this trailhead because we don't know how crowded it's going to be, how busy it's going to be. But we did end up stopping on the way back. Those reflections weren't there. They were gone. But it was still an absolutely gorgeous, huge lake. It's massive. And then as we were driving... The edge of Lake McDonald goes for quite a while, and there was a number of turnoffs on the way. So we probably stopped the car, what do you think, four times, five times? Yeah, at least out? four times. Because as we were driving up, we noticed these turnoffs, and we're like, okay, on our way back, we'll stop. Mm-hmm. So we made a point to stop and check out all those different areas um, at the lake. Yeah. And, and there was also the an adjacent river. I mean, there was some like rapids that I remember. Yeah, you know, we took advantage of just about every single pullover on the way back to the west side. Yeah, and we were on our way to our lodgings for the evening, which happened to be in Karam, but it was relaxing. It was just a relaxing time. We didn't have to rush to get anywhere, so you know we wanted to take advantage of the sights. Yeah, and one of the places we stopped at just to take a peek around was the Lake McDonald Lodge. Yes, it was pretty. I liked it. Yeah. It had some history to yeah. it. Smaller than the lodge at Many Glacier... Smaller than the famous lodge at Yellowstone, but yeah. the same kind of style almost. Yeah, just same miniature. kind of style. It had a beautiful stream that was feeding the lake right there at the lodge. We looked around, we went out back, you know, by the lake area and just enjoyed that. It was nice. I would stay there. I think it was very nice. Yeah, and I think if it was available during our visit, we might have stopped for a drink or a bite to eat. But the way things were set up during this particular summer, food was takeout only, so you couldn't yeah. you know, sit in the dining room or anything. So we, we did take the time to tour the lodge. 
Yeah, and and well, they did. There was a lot of people that were coming from West Glacier off of hikes. I even noticed some people that were on the Lake Avalanche hike that were heading towards the lodge so they could have something to eat. So that was available to them. There was a gift shop that had a lot of stuff. I thought it was a very nicely supplied gift yep. shop. At the lake, there's boat rentals. I don't know if they were running at the time. I don't remember well, there's seeing boat, them. Yeah, there's boat rides that are available through the Glacier Park Boat Company. And we did see like one of those bigger boats. One of the bigger boats, yeah. yeah. taking people out. Mm-hmm. There's horseback riding in the area. At the lodge itself, there's a gigantic fireplace that you could sit down and enjoy a nice... Uh, nightcap at the yeah. end of the day so it was it was very nice it yeah. was a very nice lodge on the west side of the park our schedule was put together in such a way where we gave ourselves basically one full day to explore west glacier and avalanche lake was the main mm-hmm. thing that we ended up doing in retrospect you know i'm thinking about this our itinerary was centered primarily on the eastern side of the park i could see having added a second day on the west side, maybe mm-hmm. to do some of those other things between mm-hmm. kayaking, horseback riding, river tubing. River tours, yeah. P- pick mm-hmm. one of those, and I'd probably do one day less on the east side mm-hmm. if we were to do it again. Mm-hmm. Yep. One of the things we're going to just take a couple of moments to talk about is, you know, when you get to Glacier, you already mentioned like the food scenario, but there's other things that you're going to want to bring with you so we'll just take a minute or so just to talk about some of the things you may want to make sure are in your backpack or luggage or whatever you're stuffing stuff into when you get to uh, the park right so one of the the main attractions to glacier national park is hiking they have some gorgeous trails and some gorgeous destinations that you can get to so with that in mind and if you're a hiker Bring your hiking shoes or boots or whatever it is that is appropriate for hiking mountainous trails. I can't emphasize that enough. I have seen so many people in these flimsy tennis shoes or even sandals or flip-flops. Even on this trip, I saw that. Mm -hmm. And you're asking for feet problems. They're just not meant for this hiking. Yeah, You're not going to have as good of a time. No. So footwear is is probably one of the the best things that you can make a point of bringing Mm -hmm. to. Because when I think about like all of the national parks that we've ever gone to, this one strikes me as like the most hiking intensive one that we've visited. Yeah. Along with that theme, your socks make a huge difference. If you bring some thin flimsy socks that are going to cause your foot to move around and shift in your hiking boot, you're going to have problems too. You're going to get blisters. Uh, Your feet will be very sore. We find that having some really good, thick, breathable socks, it helps you to hike and it keeps your feet from getting any kind of damage. The merino wool is what we like the best, but there's other other varieties out there. Hiking clothes. In Glacier National Park... If you go in July and August, it can get pretty hot. So you don't want to be wearing something that is too thick and not breathable because you will 
get way overheated. So what we do is we usually wear breathable wicking type of clothing that is specifically meant for hiking. So you don't have a problem with not being able to let your skin breathe so you can release the heat from your body. It also has material that keeps you from sunburning. You got that UV protection. The UV built protection. In. Yeah. And you're also covered up, so you're not going to fry and burn in the sun. You know, along with that, think about a hat, too, because that's going to keep the sun off your face. Yeah. I would say if you've not been to an REI store and if, if you have one near you, great use of your time to go out there, get some wicking shirts and get some proper hiking pants leave your jeans for another type of experience jeans you know do not breathe if they get wet they're heavy yeah they're just not good for hiking yeah. oh and then you know shorts too i mean you can wear shorts they have wicking shorts too or they have the pants that you can actually remove the bottom and they mm-hmm. turn into shorts so those are great too as long as you have some kind of sunscreen that you're going to cover up your legs because when you're high in altitude like that, you burn faster. So you're going to need something to protect yourself. We also recommend a rain jacket. You can get rain jackets that fold up very nicely and tightly and stick them in a backpack, but mountains are known for sudden storms. So if you don't want to get real wet, bring a rain jacket, throw it on really quick. It can shove back into your, your backpack if you need to. But there's some really great weatherproof rain jackets that are out there. Again, we recommend REI. They have some really nice stuff there that will just keep you from getting soaked through. You want to layer the clothing that you buy. So I usually have a short sleeve shirt or a tankless, and then I wear my wicking shirt over that. That helps me to, if I have to pull off a layer, I've still got something underneath. You also want to have a light jacket. Again, there's some really nice light jackets that you can roll up and tightly and put in a backpack. Yeah. So like as an example, when we started on Avalanche Lake, it was pretty brisk that morning. And so we started all layered up. And probably about, um, I don't know, two, two and a half hours into the hike, that's when we started to like warm up a bit Mm -hmm. and had to find a spot to unlayer ourselves. Which is right on the trail. I mean, it doesn't matter. Yeah. I guess the point like in Glacier is you you can get some pretty massive temperature changes in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. So. Especially in June. If in June, that's going to be more so because you still got the heat of summer hasn't really hit the park. In July and August, it really starts to warm up. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, you might start out with just shorts and, a, and a, a shirt or something like that in the summer, but just dress appropriately and bring a backpack and have those items that you might need in the event of a rainstorm. And, you know, make sure that you're looking at weather patterns and you're making sure that you bring something that's appropriate for that weather. Mm-hmm. Some other stuff that we like to bring is trekking poles, a backpack that has a water bladder, binoculars, which we didn't bring and we wish we did, some sunscreen, of course, bear bells. They don't cost a lot and they're a good thing to just kind of warn the bears that you're uh, you're coming their way and they don't like people, so they're going to get out of your way. Additional things that you can bring, especially in Glacier, you're so close to Canada 
Canada will eventually open up. So bring your passport because you can't get into Canada unless you have your passport. Yeah. And the thing that's specific about this is Glacier National Park is connected to the Waterton Lakes National Park, which is the Canadian part. Mm -hmm. So, you know, again, like you mentioned, when the border opens, you can kind of kill two national parks at once. It's kind of the the same area. It's just we've got the border that slices through the landscape. Your cell phone and your Wi-Fi are very limited in this area. So you cannot plan or rely on your devices while you're at Glacier. So print everything up, your confirmation info, hotel, rental cars, any reservation info. Make sure you have a hard copy of those because it's very likely you won't be able to pull them up on your phone. Yeah, or save a PDF version on your device, I think is another thing. Yeah. So some things to think about in terms of packing for Glacier. And I guess now we'll move into lodging. So you've got lots of lodging options on the west side. We decided to stay at Under Canvas. We've stayed at an Under Canvas before in West Yellowstone, enjoyed that. And so we decided to repeat that type of experience for at least the stay that we were going to have on the western side. So what is Under Canvas? This is an experience that's camping-like, but you don't bring a tent. Basically, a a tent structure is set up for you. But then the nice thing about Under Canvas is you walk into your tent and there's a really, really comfortable king-size bed in there. It's a rather large tent. Yeah. So this would be what they call the glamping. So they've got different types of tents we went on the cheaper side so we had what's called the safari tent which was very sufficient yeah for great yeah. for us yeah. so you know king size bed inside there was a, a fireplace that you had to you know fill and start they provide the wood mm-hmm. and the starter but there's no electricity inside so everything is like battery operated there was some lanterns yeah, there were like battery powered mm-hmm. or had some USB sockets. It's on the rustic side, but it's it's an upscale camping experience. And on the grounds of Under Canvas in Karam, there is a nice communal eating area on the grounds. There's barbecue stations. There's fire pits where you can make s'mores and you can get the s'mores makings from the lobby. That's one of the things they provide. Yeah. So just for a fun experience. Yeah. So we had a nice evening out there. We got to know some fellow uh, visitors to Glacier, chatted with them, had some s'mores. So it was really nice. And one thing I'll say too, is the staff there was spectacular. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, I mean, can't say enough good things about the staff. I mean, they just um, were, I mean, top-notch every every way around. Super mm-hmm. helpful, extremely friendly. Anything we needed, they were right there to help us out. You Great attitudes. One other thing I'll mention, though, about the tent. So depending which tent option you pick, you might have your own bathroom. So if you if you splurge and go for the more yeah, pricey splurge, tent, yeah. there's bathroom-ish type of stuff in your tent. On the safari tent that we had, you have to basically go out of your tent and then there's um there's an area with it's kind of like kind of like building, like, but it's very upscaled. Yeah. It's yeah. kind of like like camping bathrooms, but yeah. they were extremely clean. Yeah, plumbing was there, you have showers, mm-hmm. you have sinks, toilets, yeah. it was all there. Yeah. 
for food, you know, they had some grab and go items in the lobby. So you and I, we had breakfast there. We had like the oatmeals that you throw mm-hmm. your the, the water, hot, water hot water into. There's a never ending supply of coffee there. It can get cold here at night. You'll get some relief from the cold from the fireplace. And one other thing that I'll mention is if you're thinking about staying at Under Canvas, it's interesting sometimes to read the reviews that people have on different experiences on things like TripAdvisor. So this was one I remember when we were booking it, because I always look at wherever we're going to stay, what are people saying about the place, be it the hotel or whatever. And there were so many people on TripAdvisor that expressed their dissatisfaction because it sounded like they were expecting a more hotel type of experience. And that's not what this is. So just know going into this, you know, if this is a glamping slash camping type of environment. You're not going to have room service. You're not going to have cable TV. It ain't that. But it's if you're going to Glacier anyways, I mean, you're out in the woods, you're doing a a camping type of thing. So this is a nice place to stay, I thought. so. I loved it. Yeah. I love that type of experience. Yeah. The one thing you have to think about is Art mentioned there was some outdoor facilities with grill and seating. And there is a market that you can go out and buy some food that's like 20 minutes down the road or something. Yeah. You can do that and, and ha- enjoy a dinner there if you choose to and grill up your own food. But none of the food can go back to the tent. Mm-hmm. Uh, they Again, you're in a forest. It's bear country. So you don't want to be attracting critters or bears yeah. or anything else. So the food has to stay in your car. In our tent, you know, again, we got the lower end of the spectrum as far as what's available. Your car does not drive up to your tent area. So we had to leave our car down below in the parking space, which is what most people had to do. I I think there's some pricier ones where they had some parking spaces, but most people had to leave their cars down below. Yeah, and then they have the golf carts that the staff helps you get your Mm -hmm. stuff to your tent. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. you don't have to lug it all up. So they're very helpful. I mean, if you wanted a ride just to get to your tent because you didn't want to walk it, they'll do it. Mm -hmm. But just remember, you can't have that food there, so you got to kind of have to plan out. If you're going to grill there... What are you going to do with leftovers? Because they can't be stored in the tent. There's no refrigeration. Mm-hmm. And it has to stay in your car. Yeah. So Under Canvas was our lodging choice. If you want to stay at a hotel type of experience, you've got the Lake McDonald Lodge and Suites. However, those sell out almost a year in advance. And so that's one of the things we talked about on last episode. If you want to stay in the park at a place like that, mark your calendar for about 13 months before you're going to get to Glacier because rooms start to sell that quickly. Or, or that far out in advance. Mm-hmm. If you have an RV, there's KOA nearby. There there was a whole bunch of RV parks that we passed yeah, yeah. in the area. And then if you drive a little further away from the park entrance into Kalispell or Whitefish, you've got some more lodging options there. Mm-hmm. So that's lodging. But we also had some food opportunities while we were on the west side beyond our peanut butter sandwiches. Right. So one of the first places we stopped for food was right after we got off the airplane at Kalispell. And it was called Sacred Waters Brewing Company. And we enjoyed 
the Bullfrog Coffee Stout. I enjoyed it. I thought it was really good. It was really refreshing. It wasn't like cold, cold, but stouts shouldn't be cold, cold. Yeah, we enjoyed the darker beers. We loved the darker beers. So it had that little bit of coffee hint to it. And I thought it had a little bit of chocolate in it too. So I I really enjoyed it. We had some food there also. That was an interesting kind of scenario because you walked in, the, the tables and the bar were right there, but you had to go into this other area to order your food. Which was a different name place. It was a different place. restaurant yeah. type area, but that's where the food was. Right. You'd order your food there, but they would still bring it out to you while you're sitting in the bar area. So it was kind of interesting. Yeah. But we had some fish tacos. I thought they were delicious. I was kind of disappointed when we read the signs that said that... uh, It was their last day. Yeah, they were going out of business. Yeah, because they couldn't find workers. Yeah. Yeah. It was was very disappointing. But then you found out that the bar area was going to probably buy out the restaurant. Yeah, they said that they would probably take over the food operations. So we really did enjoy the beers at Sacred Waters. So if you get a chance to get out there, know that you can get some good beer there. And hopefully you'll be able to get some food. It won't be through the Fork in the River Eatery, which was the name of the, the food place when we were there, but hopefully it will be operating by somebody else. Right. And also they had signage out that says that they have live music once mm-hmm. in a while. So you might get lucky and enjoy some uh, live music there. Yeah. So we also had dinner one night, and this was uh, fairly close to the Under Canvas location. This was at Glacier Grill and Pizza. So this was um, one of those just small town kind of places we ended up getting a veggie pizza there we got some cold beers just a nice and we did this one the day that we did the avalanche lake hike so Mm -hmm. we spent like all day hiking our bodies were feeling that we we spent hours hiking so it was nice to sit down in the evening share a pizza share some beers and then we also went for the um huckleberry cream ale well, Don't that was that was that. the beer. Yes. Yeah. Well, we had dessert. Oh, dessert. Yeah. So we we were trying to get our share of huckleberry yes. things. Yes. So they also had on the menu a huckleberry peach pie. Which we couldn't say no to because where we live, you don't get huckleberry anything. Well, it was your birthday. And it was my birthday. Yeah. So along with the pie, there was a ice cream on the side, and so. What a better way than to, uh, you know, end a dinner with that after a nice day of hiking. So mm-hmm. Glacier Grill and Pizza, we enjoyed that too. So that's another one of your food options when you're on the west side of the park. Mm-hmm. Hey, how about some, a uh, couple of fun facts, Fun Julie? facts. I love our fun facts. Glacier National Park is home to 26 glaciers down from approximately 150 in 1850. That number is expected to continue its rapid decline as climate changes shrink their size, according to the U.S. Geological Survey. Of the existing glaciers, the largest is Harrison Glacier at 1.6 million square meters. Yeah. You know, it was great that we were able to get to Glacier. We saw several glaciers. Mm -hmm. Those we'll talk about on next episode because we saw... The ones we did on the east side, but I remember it wasn't that many years ago that there was signage up throughout the park that was telling people that every glacier will be gone by the year 2020. Mm -hmm. And great that we're in the year 2021 
and they're not all gone. There's mm-hmm. 26 still there. So there's still a chance to get out to Glacier National Park. We recommend get out there and see them while you can. Mm-hmm. Fun fact number two, Glacier National Park is a UNESCO World Heritage Site. So if you enjoy seeing places on that list, this is one of those in the United States. And the criteria that qualify this designation include one billion year old rocks that allow a glimpse into the Earth's past, dramatic glacier carved landscapes that illustrate the power of the Earth's erosional forces. Yeah, it's amazing. It's amazing to sit there and look at that through human eyes. Mm -hmm. Fun fact number three. Established as Waterton Glacier International Peace Park World Heritage Site, in 1995, so it's got another designation mm-hmm. there. The first ever park designated as an international peace park. That's an honor. This commemorates the bonds of peace and friendship between the two nations, yeah. obviously, from the United States of America and Canada. Yeah. And our last fun fact today, let's talk about casinos. So, Oh, that was interesting. We landed in Kalispell and, you know, as we were driving to Sacred Waters Brewing Company and then driving through Kalispell to the museum and then driving to Whitefish, it seemed that there was a casino on every block. It was casino, casino, casino. So I had to look up how the heck many casinos are in the state of Montana because we would continue to see these during our two weeks in the state. Montana has 530 casinos, or 1.79 for every 1,000 residents. And as many as we saw, I thought maybe Montana would end up being like the the top state for casinos, but it's only the fifth most per capita in the country. So there's four other states out there that have even more than Montana. But if you like casinos, they're everywhere. Every corner. Yeah. Hey, so... A couple of top tips for visiting Glacier, in addition to the things that we've talked about, car rentals. If you're going to be needing a car, I would suggest make this one of the first things that you schedule, especially in this post-COVID environment that we're in. Travelers are having more difficulty getting rental cars, so don't wait to the last minute to get one of these. And as we mentioned earlier, You can get by with a smaller car, and a smaller car will probably get you into more parking spaces in some of these tight areas in the park. Another tip, if you are interested in hiking, there are specific heights that you might have on your wish list. So be sure to review all the hikes that you're interested in and the conditions that they're in on the NPS website, and you can make this a smoother trip for you. Grinnell is a very famous hike. And if we didn't look it up, we never would have known the possibilities for us. And we'll talk about Grinnell when we get to the east side. Yeah, but this is one of those parks where when you hear about all the different hikes that are available there, do not expect that every trail will be open when you get there. There's a very short season in Glacier. You know, the snow conditions are such that... Some of the trails don't get cleared until later in July. So um, you don't want to have your sights set on doing a particular hike just to get up there to find out that the trail is closed. So do that homework in advance. And if you have hiking maps on your phone, make sure you download those hiking trails before you leave because you will not have cell coverage while you're up there. 
Yeah. So that's our recap of the west side of Glacier Park. Again, when we get together next time, we'll talk about the east side. And that's where we spent most of our time in Glacier National Park. But we do thank you for tuning in. And uh, hopefully you've heard a few things that will make your adventures in Glacier National Park smooth sailing. If you're not subscribing to us yet, take a minute and hit the subscribe button in iTunes or your favorite source for podcasts, and you can catch our future episodes. Thank you for joining us, and we hope to see you at the places where we go. If you have any comments or info to share with us about travel, you can write us at comments at theplaceswherewego.com. You can also follow us on social media. Right now we're on Twitter and Instagram, both at The Places Where We Go. Thanks for joining us, and we hope to see you at The Places Where We Go. See you next time. Bye now.